Hello, and welcome to the Riverdale Recap Podcast. Today we're going to be talking about the fifth episode in Riverdale Season 1, Heart of Darkness. I'm Mary Kwiatkowski, and I'm joined, as always, by the wonderful Kirsten McInnes. How are you doing, Kirsten? I am doing so well. I just love that you call me wonderful every single time we talk. It's such an ego boost. It's because it's in my script. <laughs> well, I mean, you wrote it at one point. I should change the, the word each time, but I don't do that. <laughs> yeah, you could be more like Haley from BB20. You could I was give thinking me the more same adjectives, thing. and I would accept it, but wonderful will do for now. Okay. Uh, Well, we are also joined tonight by Hannah Elam. Hannah, how's it going? It's going all right. I know. I feel really bad that I didn't <laughs> didn't say the wonderful Hannah. I was Eel. gonna say, how does it feel to just be Hannah? Okay, that's I'm okay. Fabulous, it's, Hannah Elam. It's where you are closer to someone in a way. No offense, Kirsten, but you know, <laughs> you you kind of treat them worse sometimes. At least, is yeah, that just I think me? That's what or it is. yeah, no, I think that's the thing. When you're uh, when I think you're really close to you're someone, in you do denial that. about how close Mary and I are. <laughs> uh, sorry. <laughs> Yes. Well, oh well. For those of you who don't know, Hannah and I have known each other for quite a lot longer than Kirsten and I. I mean, I've known Hannah quite six years now-ish. Feels like it. I have no idea. I keep forgetting that I graduated from college almost two years ago now, so I, timelines are bad. I think it's five yeah. years. Oh my god, you guys are babies. You know what? We don't need to talk about age anymore. I'm I feel so age-shamed on this I'm podcast. I'm like the Crypt Keeper. Oh, <laughs> whatever. All right. Isn't that in a movie? That is a quote in like a movie or something. Yes, it's from Yeah, Freaky that's Freaky Friday. Friday. Yeah. Oh, gosh. See, I knew it. I knew that was from something. I was thinking um, I was thinking life size for whatever reason. So that's Lindsay Lohan. Lindsay Lohan. That's the connection. <laughs> yeah. Got Lohan. Lohan on the mind. So, oh well. You know what? It's 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 okay. We can we can move past this whole this whole segment. Yeah. <laughs> okay, cool. Um so I did not love this episode. There there're only two episodes in season 1 that are kind of boring. Like they just they they're important. They have important elements to the plot and I I hate to say it, but I think it's the fact that the main plot of the episode centers around the Blossom family that I just like don't care about. Well, here's the thing. Was this episode very boring yes did I realize that the episode had ended no I got five minutes into the next episode and I looked down and I was like wait what what's happening um but also there's some things in this episode that make me so happy mostly because I'm a bad person that honestly it's a fine episode all right I feel like we're going to have some bashing from Kirsten this time around well which bashing? is new from me could never <laughs> yeah. be yeah uh, what about you, Hannah? What'd you think of it overall? I just watched it yesterday, and I'm having trouble thinking about my feelings of See, this episode. See, you have to do what you have to do what Chris and I do, which is wait till the last minute. Then it's nice and fresh. <laughs> yeah, you guys, are, you guys are messaging. Oh yeah, just watching it now, and I'm like, what? <laughs> we have stuff to do. <laughs> um, but yeah, Hannah, do you like the Blossom family in general? Or I, I just find them to be like they're so mean to. They're to, terrible, um, Cheryl. Yeah, they're horrible people. They're my favorite. Oh. Character characters in the whole oh my show. goodness okay i'm kidding yeah. i'm kidding <laughs> <laughs> yeah well my favorite character in the show alice cooper wasn't even in this episode so i did not realize that yeah, yeah she had some, some lame excuse she had some good scenes last 
episode, but then we had definitely a lack of Alice Cooper in this episode. I just can't get over Alice Cooper banging on the window of the truck being like, Fred, it's about the kids. (laughs) And he just gets up and goes. I know. I know. Just leaves the truck there. Oh, that's so funny. I have never once like left my car somewhere to get in a car with someone else. Like, I'll just follow you. Just take my car with you. Well, yeah, I was going to say, did he ever go back for his truck or is it still at the (laughs) drive-in? It's probably still there. I mean, getting demolished. Actually, he's working on that site, right? So it shouldn't matter. So it might still be there, but he probably has taken it back and forth a few times. Okay, fine. Yeah. Well, you know what? I'm just reminiscing about episode four. Okay, it happens. Um, But yeah, this episode, Jughead voiceover, like always. And and it's, it's actually, I say I don't like this episode and I don't like the Blossoms, except I do love when the Blossom family is in, especially Cheryl, is in opening shots. They're really great at looking creepy and gothic and and all that so uh yeah his voiceover says every town has one the spooky house that's that all the kids avoid ours was thornhill the blossom family's mansion with its very own graveyard and trapped within its walls like some gothic heroine was cheryl blossom still grieving for her beloved brother jason linked in death even as they were in life and it's accompanied by like creepy cheryl walking around with a candelabra so i i enjoyed it i enjoyed that opening was that when she was in like the beautiful red silk dressing gown yes so should we talk about her clothing now or do you want to just do it as we go along i mean we can do it at at various points but that red dressing gown is one of the most beautiful luxurious pieces of clothing i've ever seen in my entire life and all i can think is that i need to aspire to that level of luxury i want a red silk dressing gown i have never worn a dressing gown like the all of the blossom family and i think possibly even veronica in this episode their their pajamas and their dressing gowns like they're not for warmth they're just for looks they're they're lacy and they're uh. rich people rich people can heat their home enough that they don't have to wear like fleece pajamas like i have like a big thick bathrobe but that's not luxury luxurious but i'm wear i'm currently wearing my zebra print snuggie which is also not you know conventionally luxurious but i feel very luxurious i think it's beautiful thank you i appreciate that i was just fishing for compliments but this the only thing that's kind of throws me off about this this voiceover is the fact that jughead makes it sounds like everyone avoids this house when weren't they just there in episode one for a party after the dance didn't they just happen i feel like yes it was at her house oh i thought it was in like some fancy like what kind of parents let their kid have an after party what the blossoms what hotel has no. a closet with a bunch of board games that you can go into well, no I that was think not of, okay well i forgot about the board games Okay. I don't think we've had any hotels yet, but all right. Well, after that beautiful intro with Cheryl, uh, we can we can just divert to the Archie plotline because something that I don't know if we've done this a whole lot in our season one recaps. We definitely do it in season three. It's nice to get the Archie stuff over with first when it's uh, not, not the most thrilling parts of the episode. Okay. Archie has never and will never be the most thrilling part of the episode. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Not quite. Um, so Archie is up late at night. He 
he's he's punching his punching bag because he feels, you know, after the whole Grundy fallout from last episode, I think he's kind of down on the music scene. And when Archie gets down, he decides, you know what? We're going all in on football. Can't have both. Can't be multi-talented like I thought I was. Instead, no. I have to push this dream aside. He says he says he's doing the football so that he can go to this place where he can study music. So he still wants to do both, but football is how he gets to do both. Yes, and it's really easy to get into a music program when you've done literally no music in high school. It's honestly a foolproof plan. There's no issue with it. Yeah, I mean, Archie is the golden boy from a small town. I feel like he would have better luck getting into a music program if he was in like a a musical at school or something. I feel like he has better luck getting into the NFL than he does getting into... a music program and also he's training using a punching bag okay I get that boxing is like a good workout it's good cardio everybody's all about like rumble boxing now but football is not like a crazy cardio heavy sport like shouldn't he be working on like strength and stuff see I think I just have a misconception on boxing because like I never really think of boxing as cardio I guess oh my god no it's so hard Mary it is so hard it is really do that you should go um I don't know if Rumble's like a Canadian chain or not, but there's this chain, it's called Rumble Boxing. There's, I'm sure there's many other ones. And you go and they do boxing classes and they do like boot camps that are like kind of boxing, kind of boot campy. And it's like the most intense workout you will ever do. And you will sweat more than you've ever sweat in your life. And everyone should do it. And use our code, KowskiCast. We don't have the code. Stop giving out these fake codes. People are going to try. I'm going to try. You almost convince me every time. All I want is for us to get an ad read because I think I'd be really good at it. (laughs) You would. Um, Yeah, when I think boxing, I think, uh, let's see, Josh Dunn does boxing and Debbie Ryan on their Instagram stories. I see that all the time. I Um, don't know what you're talking about. And I'm going to do a great segment here. Speaking of 21 Pilots, (laughs) there's a scene scene in this episode where they're playing football. Um, Archie's like at football practice and the music, it sounds very 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 similar to the beginning of Pet Cheetah so if you like 21 Pilots and you know that song listen to them back to back I recognize the fact that it's not the same song but they have very similar sort of intro motifs maybe that's where Tyler Joseph gets his inspiration is by watching Riverdale yeah I think the timeline works out pretty well yeah I think this 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 show came out right about the same time he was working on uh, maybe on uh, Trench maybe he did both (laughs) maybe um but anyway so yeah Archie's zoning out at football practice and uh it's not going well but for whatever reason even though he's not doing a good job his coach is like hey you sophomore who's not paying attention you're you're gonna be the captain probably you or Reggie one of the two I don't care fight it out he's like oh hey you're a sophomore for some reason you've made varsity and now you know what you're gonna be captain a player in their junior or senior year could never be them what like he's already shown he's not even committed to football like I don't understand well Jason Blossom was captain before right or am I making that up he was captain and that's right. why they're like, we're going to see who becomes captain and who gets Jason's number. Now, I don't think most sports teams have like a specific number for the captain. I think they just put a little C on the jersey. It's fine. Uh, he, it could be any number. And I know we've talked about it before, but why, why are they uh, have they not retired Jason's number already? Not yet. They will in this episode, though. Yes. And I was very happy to see it. And for some people, I don't know if we've ever talked about this before, but like Jason's whole age issue is very confusing because if he was captain previous to this year, then he was captain as a freshman, assuming 
saying that he is the same age as his twin Cheryl, who we're pretty <laughs> sure is in the same grade. Now, oh, yeah. some people some people have said, some people have noted online that they think that Cheryl was maybe held back a year and so that they're actually in different years of school because it also doesn't make sense that freshman Jason would be dating Betty's older sister Polly. I mean, that happened occasionally in high school, but in high school if someone's dating down, it's usually a guy is dating down, not the other way around because immature boys in high school and but yeah past high school yeah so i just don't think i don't know this whole thing again you just kind of have to like forget about it when you want to make all your main characters the same age i don't know i I feel like reggie seems older so i i think that he deserves it just for that fact and he cares about football i also i just can't (laughs) believe i never put together that jason's their same age like i just assumed he was polly's age because i had him with polly yeah this show has no continuity no it really doesn't um and i also i don't know if they never say like how much older Polly is but I assume that Polly like, like I two think years her being, like three yeah like two years older yeah oh. or, or more than that yeah but I I picture her being older so um I could believe that she you know would be like a senior now and I mean at most even if Jason's like even if Cheryl was held back or something Jason would only be one year older uh. so they like picking a captain who's a sophomore basically I don't know it doesn't it make doesn't any make sense. sense longevity have the same captain for three years in a row and oh Whatever. also the other thing too this is the same football coach would he still be there after his son and all his son's friends and half the football team got expelled probably but not normally but in a really would you say that's not on him well, no, no it's not but it's on like him not but you would press. think he would like to like probably stay on his kid's side or something like where did he send his kid i don't think i mean i i can't see him staying on his kid's side but i think the issue is more just like it's a small town there might not be a whole lot of other people who want to be the football coach i don't know you never know also didn't they say uh i'd have to go back and look but i'm pretty sure that that chuck was like wasn't he a new kid like didn't his dad move here to be the coach or something i may just be completely no, making that up i don't remember I'm, that yeah i don't I remember that but I I just feel like it's weird that I guess it makes sense why they would need a younger captain because half the team is gone now uh but it just I don't know I just it's weird to me that he's still there yeah so uh Archie has a little chat with Valerie and she's like hey I can help you with your music uh you can you can take this little note that I'm gonna give you and really suggestively put in your front pocket and pat down it's weird she's in front of other people don't be all gooey I don't know. I just anyway. and I also feel like it's like so forward for like a high school student. I'm trying yeah, to think I mean, how I'm, I would have approached the same situation, and it would have been like I sent you a text. I'm very pro Val. I really like her. I just do not know what she sees in Archie. So I don't know what anyone sees in Archie, even the fans. If you're a fan of the show and you like Archie, please explain it to me. Slide into my DMs at Kirsten said what. <laughs> So something that uh, also happened during this scene is that uh, Veronica asked how Archie's world is, Archie's PG world is, which is post-Grundy. And I thought that was a pretty cool quip. (laughs) Enjoyed that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Veronica has some really, really great lines in this episode. I'm going to go ahead and stop down and do this now because I was saving for the end, but now I realize like I need to liven up this Archie section. So um, (laughs) Veronica says some really funny things in, in this episode. She's mostly 
mostly just like making these little funny quips while other people are around. She's like the kid in the back of the class almost, but she just says them out, out loud. So yeah, she asks Archie, how's everything going in a PG world? Post-Grundy? Too soon? Okay. <laughs> She's like eating french fries dipped in cheese or something while this is happening. This is a really weird scene. It's just um, so and, rude. Yeah, and then like once Archie decides to, um, to that he wants to play football, she's like, well, you're back to being boring. I love that yeah. she says that to him. As if he ever stopped. <laughs> yeah. And then also in this scene, Val tells Archie, um, oh, hey, I know Miss Grundy was tutoring you. And Veronica's just like, yeah, understatement of the year. <laughs> so <laughs> she makes some really, really great quips throughout that scene. I uh, love it. Because they're all just like sitting on the bleachers while Valerie and Archie are having this conversation. Um, so yeah, Val, Val gives him the phone number of this music teacher at Carson College who was a songwriter from New York and does some coaching on the side. So I don't know. If, I, I think it's implied that he does maybe coaching with her or something and that's where her connection is um yeah so i think so she hooking him up it's a good time uh then there's a beautiful montage of archie debating if he wants to do music or football and i think uh, you mistaked beautiful with terrible yeah, yeah and the worst part of this scene for me i don't know what it is but like i think shows if they have an a, a, a theme song that theme song should not ever play during the rest <laughs> of the show it should only be in the opening credits don't play like you're not gonna be halfway through an episode of Game of Thrones and it's gonna go dun 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 dun. dun. No, they don't do that. They have separate music. Honestly, you only I get kind that of during wish the opening they would on Game of Thrones. It would take me out of it because I think the opening credit scene is when you establish like, hey, this is a TV show, right? Like you, you, the audience, you're watching a TV show. You see the little names and the titles and all that. In the middle of the episode, I don't want to be pulled out of the story and being like told it's a TV show again. You know, I don't I'm know. Trying to get real even... immersed in Riverdale. I well. First of all, you should probably see a doctor for that. Uh, and second of all, I don't know. I don't. I disagree with you on this. I'm. I'm okay with it as long as it's like quiet and like in the background. Like, um, just imagine a scene in Game of Thrones or like riding horses or whatever, and it's like da na 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 da na 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 na. Right? That's great. There's so much better music in Game of Thrones, though. I mean, everything about Game of Thrones is great. It's fine. Well, not everything, but we don't have to get into that right now. No, we don't. Uh, so yeah, Archie goes to see this Oscar Castillo. That is a hard name to say. Oh my gosh. It flows. Um, it does not flow. Not like his music. Uh, yeah. Um, but yeah, he he just gets eaten alive by this guy. He's like, uh, so how many days or how many hours a day do you spend writing? And first off, Archie says at least a couple. That's more like a couple a week should be fine. I don't know why he's writing. He's writing music, he, not like practicing, but writing music multiple hours a day. Well, think about how stupid Archie is. It probably takes him at least 16 hours to write a song and he only puts like seven <laughs> words per song so i get why it takes it but i'm like what hours archie what hours are you spending writing music there's no way you are spending a couple hours a day on this and i i just love that immediately he's reaching a barrier someone is like kind of doubting him it makes me so happy i stan oscar castillo oh uh, i don't know uh, he's kind of addicted to him though he's he's mad that little tiny kid archie can't drop everything to write music he gets even more mad when he finds out that Archie's also playing football. He also gets mad when Archie tries to give him a, a flash drive with his music on it. He's like, no, dude, I need some sheets. 
We only talk about sheet music here. Yeah, because he's a serious musician and he wants to make sure that the people he's working with are also serious about it. I feel like there's probably a lot of musicians who don't actually write down their music. Who like, well, but they're not seeking coaching because they're probably uh, prodigies. I also, like, like, I don't think Josh Dunn is writing down how to hit the drums. Yeah, well, he doesn't have to because he can just do it because he's good. I really liked also in this scene where Archie's like, definitely not a prodigy. And I was like, oh my god self-awareness come through oh gosh um but yeah so but archie you know he tries he goes and him and val have a cute little night writing music uh yeah you know so much better i i don't really care about that the best part of this whole scene is just fred walking in on them and uh being the most derpy dad around he's like oh 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 uh valerie yeah like i'm a huge fan josie and the pussycats yeah they rocked you guys rocking hardcore and then he and then he's like i'm gonna close the door but not all way oh not all way well and here's the thing archie should have never been in his room with a girl with the door closed no i was not allowed to do that um, i wasn't even allowed to have a boy in my room with the door open (laughs) oh yeah like that was no side note but a kind of funny story about me so i used to make these little paper chains you know like the little ones you would make in elementary school that would like count down the days till christmas or the end of the school year or whatever and you like rip the little rip the little chain off of paper no okay well i've never heard this before but i like it can we make one for philly know it all yes you take like strips of paper and then you fold them into a circle and then you take another one and then you yeah. st- like staple them around each other and makes a little chain right anyway okay, but so yeah I no use... i get the chain but what's with the countdown element because like then you like hang it up somewhere and then you rip the bottom one off and then, like every day you rip one off so you make it like however many days are left in the school year oh my god yeah. we're making those for philly know it alls you and <laughs> they're I. so much fun um but yeah so i used to make these when i was in like middle school I would listen to the Harry Potter audiobooks and then I would sit at my desk and cut strips of paper and then I would make them but I would I would draw on them with markers and they had to each have a different design in different colors and I would double side them and so it took a really long time to like color them in and do all this anyway so I made one and it was probably like a couple hundred links long and I wasn't ripping them off I just like looped them around my ceiling and kind of decorated my room and then every couple months because I did this when I was younger I would have to like rip some of them off and make them shorter because I would get taller and then they would hit my head (laughs) anyway long story short first time I ever had a boyfriend I remember like the day that he asked me out I came home and I had to take all the paper chains down because I was like wow if he ever comes in this room this cannot be here this looks ridiculous I'm not gonna lie I want to put some of those in my room now is 26 too old to decorate with paper loops not if you don't have a boyfriend (laughs) perfect I'm I'm a spinster it works This reminds me of when I was a kid and I had like glow-in-the-dark stars on my ceiling. I thought they were so cool and you could see them when you go to bed at night and I probably would put them up fade, now. though. Huh? Yeah, but like I, I had some when I was really little and they just like faded after, you know, like six or seven years. You got bad ones. Mine mine yeah. stayed the whole time. I'm sure Hers are probably right still now. going. Yeah. <laughs> still going. They're just in a different a different home. Yeah. Probably. Do you think your husband would feel comfortable with you putting up glow-in-the-dark stars? He's so weird he would be fine with it he would probably even notice too what about a paper chain (laughs) 
The paper chain. I don't like know. Like a really I don't, nice I one. You could make that. it with like scrapbooking paper and make it really nice. Look, mine were really great. I'm sad I don't think I have a picture of it, but I should have done that. You well, also I guess don't you have, have to a picture of the pirate one. ship. Oh, I've never been able to find that. We also had a pirate ship in our backyard, but oh well. That's long gone. I don't believe you. That's not fake. <laughs> it was like life size. It was a, instead of having like a play set like everyone else did, we had a pirate ship. Okay. That's really cool. It, was that was, it had three decks and like a little bucket you could raise up and down and a slide coming off the second deck that's but insane i know and it was like life-size my neighbor had like a playhouse but it was like a fully like insulated constructed with real siding and two floors playhouse did it have like heating and water it didn't have heating and water but it was like pretty warm in there as long as you like kept the door closed if you had to and wore your snuggie well snuggies didn't exist then (laughs) and i just remember my sister and our friend all went in and like vandalized the inside of this playhouse because we hated this girl and I, di- I don't think I might have drawn something I don't remember I was really well, you were a horrible person I was like five at the most when this happened so I don't remember if I was part of it or not but then of course everyone signed their friggin names so they got caught oh and had and had to paint the inside of this playhouse and I just remembered there was a hornet's nest and then they all got attacked and like ended up with like several stings but I was too little so I didn't have to help paint it so I was fine so that's why I'm evil because I didn't have to face consequences. Your story does did that thing where it reminded me of like three more stories of myself. We'll talk However, later. <laughs> this is this is not a banter podcast. What? So we need to move on. It's not? Okay, well. I know. I can't believe it's not banter. Oh, oh my gosh. Okay. So Archie is back at football practice and there's like three times too many football scenes in this episode as well. And Archie is is he's writing the plays on his arm because he stayed up all night. All night writing down the sheet music so he doesn't didn't learn his plays and he ends up running the wrong direction and slamming into someone and he hurts his wrist really bad but he wants to keep playing because he's feisty and Reggie's like Reggie actually has a really nice moment here where Reggie is telling him like hey dude like you're injured sit out like it'll Which be better for you Which is why Reggie should be the captain. He really should but Archie doesn't want to and so he just gets hurt even more um, but you know it, it results in a nice little bonding time with Veronica so Veronica who was at cheerleading practice to which I thought, where the heck is Betty? Isn't she still a cheerleader? Uh, Betty's busy thought. doing investigative journalism this episode. She doesn't have time to be a river vixen. <sighs> yeah. So Veronica um, is is just the best. Like I I forget how nice Veronica is in season one. Not saying like she's not nice later, but like in season one, she spends so much time trying to be really good friends with everyone, putting everyone first. She's just a nice person. She has to. She's the new girl. She has to get in with these people if she wants to have friends going through Riverdale. Like, she seems a little bit, like, not jealous, but, like, she she definitely notices when Archie mentions that he was hanging out with Valerie. And, like, I think she she kind of has a little crush on Archie, but she doesn't want to fight with Betty and doesn't want to deal with that, you know, for, for, like you said, being the new girl. So, oh well. Um, and then we get a, yet another scene with uh, Castillo, who just sucks some more and, and tells Archie that he's bad, which I, I mean, I guess... I loved <laughs> Yeah, I guess, I guess that's, like... But, like, it's, here's it's the honest. thing. Yeah, exactly. Archie is not good at this. We have read his lyrics, we have heard his songs. He is basic as hell with his songwriting and musical abilities. And he's trash. Like, he's not good at it. And people need to stop telling him he's good at it because he's not going to be successful. Like, music is not his future. And at least Oscar is able to just say, listen, 
in. We're not going to vibe. And like he wasn't completely rude because he's like, well, maybe Mrs. Grundy like connected with you in a different way. Like we're just not going to connect. And like that is true on of the several levels. But like it makes sense. Like the serious songwriter who does coaching and mentoring, he doesn't have time for garbage. And that's what Archie's musical abilities are. They're garbage. And he needs to quit. I wonder if it's the fact that everyone we've seen so far telling him that he's really good at this is either his dad or girls and like he's right you know the uh oscar is right he's writing breakup songs so maybe he's just gonna be like the next taylor swift what doesn't make sense is he was writing breakup songs but he only just broke up with grundy in the last episode so where are all these songs coming from magically because all the other ones that we've heard are love songs not breakup songs and then the so and he said he was writing songs about jason and like everything we've yeah. heard has been clearly songs about grundy so- <laughs> right. I'm sorry. Was Archie in love with Jason Blossom? I think it's likely. I think Very that similar. everyone... In like a weird, like narcissistic way. It seems like everyone has a fatuation with him and what happened this summer. I mean, Jughead's writing a book about it. It just seems like there's a really big deal around Jason, but we don't get a deep understanding as to why this that is the case. Because he's creepy. Why? Why do they care about... Like, I get that they care because he was murdered, but why did they care before? He's creepy. This is just classic Hannah giving like insightful recap and then Kirsten just be like but why he's creepy okay here's the thing if people have gotten this far into our Riverdale recap whether they've just started with the episode one recaps or whether they listen to episode three the appeal to me talking about Riverdale is that I'm just as frustrated and pissed off as all of you and if I wasn't here you you need me okay I'm an essential part of this formula (laughs) and if I wasn't here you'd be lost and this podcast would be way too complimentary and that it's just that's that okay and if it makes you mad that I'm such a complainer again feel free to slide into my dms but if you're sending me complaints you have to also send money to my paypal thank you and give a five-star review yeah I need a five-star review with your complaint and no then a five-dollar no donation to my paypal no one is listening to 30 minutes of this garbage so far and giving a five-star review okay this oh is not God. garbage how dare you <laughs> Yeah, so Archie goes to this memorial later on because this whole episode centers, we haven't really got to it because we're still stuck on Archie, but this whole episode is centered around the the memorial of Jason Blossom, so um, at the at the Blossom house. So Archie goes to the memorial and he's wearing his freaking varsity jacket. Everyone else is in nice outfits, black, like classy, and Archie is just like, take it off one time, just one time. He has no respect. Hashtag no respect. Hashtag no respect. <laughs> but yeah, so. So he, he does something nice here and he gives Jason's jersey back to Penelope. I can only give him like half the credit though because like this should have been done months ago right after Jason passed away. So I I don't know. It was kind of like half-hearted here. Well, and he shouldn't be the one to do it. The coach of the football team should give the jersey. Yeah, should. Um, instead, uh, the Miss Blossom, Penelope, thanks him and, and she seems to be just as in love with him as everyone else. She's stroking his hair and she's like, oh, you're so much like him. No. They have red hair. That is it. They're pale white dudes with red hair and Archie's way less creepy than Jason Blossom yeah like ever that's the one nice thing that Kirsten will say about Archie he's less he's less creepy creepy than Jason which is not saying a lot because pretty much anyone is I'm sorry like I'm okay I'm sorry it's fine I'm I I apologize for what even I just (laughs) I feel like maybe I'm being too negative now like I know you need me and I'm like essential to the formula (laughs) of this podcast but maybe I could be like a little bit nicer (laughs) 
Let's just try. I just, I'll be nicer in the other parts of the episode. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Um, but yeah, so Archie, even though he's just been shut down by Oscar, he decides to keep trying at music and and Val's like, hey, Archie, like, you gotta, you gotta keep going. You've got this, this special thing. The scene where she walks into like the music room and he's just sitting there with his acoustic guitar. So And it's like, she just has this face like, hi, I knew you'd be here. And I'm just like, Val, you are talented and hot. Please, like, find another boy. Try to date Reggie. Reggie's hot. Like, do anything else. It just reminds me of, like, a scene in a movie where, like, lovers have been uh, separated for a while. And then one of them finally, like, swallows their pride and comes back. It's like, hey, that's what it reminded me of. Why? Yeah. And uh, this reminded me again with the with the uh, acoustic guitar. Gregory McBean also had r- written into us and told us that, like, um, a few people from his high school also brought guitars to school and would play them outside or in the cafeteria or in the halls. So apparently that is a thing that actually happens. Well, to be fair, Greg lives in Quebec, so I don't know if that happens anywhere else. <laughs> That's not the real world. It's just Quebec. It happens. It happens in Quebec and it happens in Riverdale. So it happens in... Places that have maple syrup. <laughs> it in That's crazy. Yeah, it happens in Chicago and upstate New York. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, let's just like wrap up this Archie yeah. plot. So, because <laughs> he's driving me insane. So Archie, uh, he, he goes to speak with the coach. The coach is sitting him down and Reggie and uh you know Archie took some blows from music teacher guy but coach guy he's like nah Archie you sucked this season or this this couple last couple weeks but that means you deserve to be captain so congrats we love rewarding mediocrity um and the one thing that I love from Archie is that he's like no you need to make someone captain whose whole life is gonna be football and that's not me and you know what that is a mature adult decision from an otherwise juvenile horrible person so good job rg it is but it's like i just feel bad for reggie yeah like reggie was the better option here reggie should have just immediately been captain yeah should have been but i guess he's happy anyway so he gets he gets captain and it's it's great um and then uh the last scene archie and val exchange some more sexy eyes and and that's that's it for archie Woo-hoo! yay archie's done bye N- yeah. now we can move on to the other andrews man my other oh, favorite yeah. um because fred wants to go on a date with hermione lodge he does. Ooh, ooh, and he's like, hey, we should try a second date. And Ryan's like, oh, yeah, like, that was not a date that, that time you took me to the drive-in and then you just left, like, yeah, He literally aban- <laughs> he abandoned her there. He left her in his truck at the drive-in. But apparently that went well enough that they should try it again. Well, Kirsten, it was it was about the kids. Well, and the thing, too, why couldn't Hermione come, too? Like, there's a good chance that if it's about <laughs> the kids, it's about Veronica, too. Like, at this point, she's joined the group. Because Alice didn't Alice just like smack Hermione or was that someone else I don't know someone smacked someone the previous episode I think that was uh, no. Penelope Penelope yeah, no. Blossom smacked Penelope Alice smacked Alice at the taste yeah. of Riverdale while the um Josie and the Pussycat Dolls were totally rocking <laughs> the Pussycat Dolls uh, yeah I know that's right that's what we're doing today oh no yeah um, I didn't even get that one <laughs> so Hermione like shuts Fred down and then like two seconds later gets a creepy package just sl- I guess slid into the door like someone just like got down on all fours, pushed the package in, and then ran like, away before she could see. It was a full-size box. So how do you not see who Wait, leaves what that? what is a full-size box? Like, what, what cl- no, classifies well, like, a full-size sorry, box? So I feel like it's not like it was in an envelope or something that could be slid under a door. Like, the door had to be fully open. <laughs> how are you going to put a snake in an envelope? Well, I'm not saying you should put a snake in an envelope. I'm just saying, 
like the way this package was, there's no way that it could have been put into the diner without someone fully opening the door to put it in. So you would have seen who did it pretty easily. No, she was in the back room. She was. It seemed like she was the only person there. Oh, she was cleaning. I'm giving the a little bit of truth. Yeah, which yeah. I appreciated that she actually had to do some of the gritty work here, and we got to see some of it. I just, yeah, yeah. Hermione, she's a boss ass bitch. She's gonna be okay. I'm gonna tell you uh, right now. She's not at this point. She's just an employee. Right. Well, except for <laughs> except for the fact that she's not she's not that boss ass because she sees a snake and then has to call Fred, the guy she just turned down two seconds like, ago. This was like just like a, a garter snake, right? Like it's, it clearly wasn't poisonous. I don't think it was a garter snake. I mean, it, I don't know. I have no idea what kind of snake it was, but it was it was hissing. I I mean, but it wasn't gonna bite her. It wasn't poisonous. Like, it could have bitten her. Mm, well, it does. It wasn't poisonous for sure. It's still scary. If you opened a box and saw a snake, would you just sit there and be like, "Oh, this isn't that scary," or would you scream and be freaked out? I would no, be weirded out. You don't. You don't open the box. I know that she's That's like fair. doesn't recognize she's in a TV show. But when have you, <laughs> if you get a sketchy package pushed through a door with like, no return address? No. No, it's like, look, there's two options that could be in here. It's a snake or it's a body part. Those are the only two things that ever come in boxes. Okay, it could be a bomb No, too. I thought that it could have okay. been something from Hiram initially. And I forgot that it was a snake. So Hiram I would have given her something classier. Like he would have had like a classy leather bag slid in through the door <laughs> with his initials stamped on it or something. It happened. Uh, but yeah, so she calls Fred and Fred's like, look, like, yeah, you can call me, but like, you should probably call like, you know, the police or animal rescue next time. Not me. I love that. Um, or animal control. Yeah. Uh, except, uh, no, she called Fred because she wants to open up to him, tell him a secret, which is that the serpents gave her the snake because uh, serpents are snakes. So it's a really, really key message there. And the message apparently she reads just from that one snake is, hey, uh, your your husband owes us money. And I'm just, I don't know. Like, from I don't understand. This whole thing is just so stupid. Why does everything have to be so dramatic? Uh, because the kids... I was saying the kids the kids are having sexy times, so the parents need to have <laughs> dramatic times. Well, I hate all of that and these kids need to stay in school and make good choices. No, no, they don't. So yeah, Her- Hermione and Fred, they also both go to the Blossom Family Manor for the memorial service. And we get just a lot more tension between the parents here. Penelope takes it as a slight that Hermione is offering her condolences. I-, I guess the key here is that it kind of seems like Penelope is insinuating that Hiram might have done something involving Jason's murder. You know, she he she's kind of like- He was in New like, York. Yeah, well, he has, he has long reach. <laughs> But then it's like, what was Jason involved in that he would have any contact with Hiram Lodge? It doesn't make any sense. It, it doesn't really, but you get the feeling that like three different times in this episode, different families are telling their kids like, hey, yeah, we, we don't get along with the Blossoms. Yeah, no one gets along with the Blossoms. So I think they're just, you're going to have enemies when you're horrible people like that. I think I could get along with them. <laughs> Okay. I can get along with anyone. Based on what? They love Archie. You hate him. Yeah, well, I you love- You have nothing in common. I love the color red. I love maple syrup. Um, I love nice things. So, Okay, cool. fair enough. Uh, <laughs> but but the, good, the good thing that comes out of this is that Hermione acting, I guess, the damsel with the uh, snake situation, Fred decides to, to give her uh, the job as his bookkeeper. To which he says, like, oh, there, don't worry, there won't be any snakes. Dude, like, there weren't snakes at Pops either until- they got involved with the serpents. Well, like, I just because she's working for you now doesn't mean the serpents won't send any more messages. Technically. 
technically the serpents have been around the drive-in, so there could be a different type of snake. Oh, like a... Ayo! Like one on the back of a jacket. Yeah, or like uh-huh. a patch on the front of a vest. Yes. Yeah. Oh, well. Anyway, but that that's pretty much it with Hermione and Fred. Uh, Thank God. Nice to see that the parents are doing something, though. But those Andrews men, man, they're boring. They really are. They really are. And thank God we are done with them. However, the two queens of this episode, Cheryl and Veronica, I, I you know, we haven't really had a whole lot of good Cheryl and Veronica after the first episode when they when they are at the cheerleading tryouts. I think that's pretty much the first time. Yeah, there's that. Maybe. And then when... Um, um, Cheryl had the panic attack during the um, pep rally or football game or whatever the hell that was. That was like another like kind of nice moment for them. But Cheryl's having a rough go this episode. She starts off. She's trying to write the eulogy for Jason and her mom comes in and is like, you're not speaking at this. Like this is not happening. Like y- we don't know what you're going to say. You will embarrass us. That's it. It's over. Which like I get, we get the feeling. Yeah. The Blossom family doesn't love Cheryl, but like we have haven't seen anything so far. She's a great public speaker. She's on the announcements all the time. She's the head cheerleader. Why would they think that her speaking at the memorial would embarrass the family? We learn a little bit why during the dinner that they have because Penelope makes a snide comment that she already got her chance to say goodbye. And so I think because of the way that Cheryl acted during the disappearing, the disappearance of Jason, she's getting kickback from her family, which is completely understandable. You know, you lied about the fact that your brother drowned and now you want to play upset and or not play upset but now you want to actually go through the grieving process and we're just going to be mad about you because you're an idiot and let let our son get killed yeah but like don't you feel like the her parents are probably like i don't think this just started after jason yeah so the impression that i get from this whole episode and like even a little bit when cheryl speaks at the end at the uh memorial is that everybody loved jason and people didn't really care for cheryl and so she's probably been facing that her whole life from her parents from the public from teachers etc especially if she was like the dumb sibling that had to like stay back a grade or like if Jason skipped a gr- maybe she stayed back and Jason skipped a grade and that oh and that's where we get the two and that's gap. where we get the gap perfect I love having theories and so like I feel like it's that thing where if her brother is like the golden boy of the town that everybody loves and she's just kind of like mm, we don't like you very much like we don't care about you Cheryl then that kind of leads to it and it kind of indicates like a pattern of being uh, mistreated by her family. Yeah. So I I agree. I think I think that it's probably been something that's been going on for a long time. But like you said, Hannah, they're definitely more upset right now because especially Mrs. Blossom, um, she's the one who really speaks about it a lot because Cheryl got her chance to say goodbye. She knew that uh, Jason was leaving at least. And even if she's not exactly responsible for his death, they're probably partially looking at it that way. 150%. But yeah, so she invites everyone, all the gang, Jughead, Betty, Veronica, uh, Archie, she invites them all to the memorial and then finds out soon after that that the only reason they were invited is because the Blossom family is trying to invite anyone they think might be a suspect in Jason's murder. And they're sort of working together with the sheriff on this. Um, and and you can tell like, Cheryl is like, she's the only one who's treating this as an actual memorial for a departed family member. Everyone else is, you know, wanting to just analyze each other or, or they're going sort of for a spectacle. But, but Cheryl's the only one who truly feels, I think, upset about, like, the loss of her sibling. The, her parents are treating it more like we're, we're trying to seek revenge on, you know, Jason's murderer, which is a little bit different. She's she's more sad. It's the first time in the show it really comes across like her share, her brother is dead and, and it's her twin and it's, you know, it's not for show with her. Yeah. Have you guys been to a funeral or ha- did you go to a funeral when you were younger? Like how, like teenager? Like I had to go, I 
went to um just like a viewing slash open casket thing when I was about like the characters in this show's age. Yeah. I have never been to any kind of funeral or memorial service or anything. I, yeah. So I went, I had a friend who passed away in high school and so they did like a ceremony and viewing for him when I was 15 and it was really creepy. Like an open casket is something I wouldn't wish on my worst enemy because like they don't look right. Like they don't look like themselves. Uh, and then obviously like um my mom's funeral was last September. So like just a, about a year and a half ago and that was like a whole other thing because then we were expected to speak and so that's like I can kind of get into Cheryl's mindset because like writing something to say is not easy and then actually getting up and saying it is also really not easy yeah well and a lot of times it's a lot sooner after the event happens that the funeral occurs and so you don't have a lot of time to repair and why would they not want the daughter to speak as as we've been saying before it, it doesn't really make a lot of sense so we learned the blossoms are really weird well and the whole thing is the episode is framed around like Thornhill Manor is like a very creepy house and the Blossom family is very gothic and weird and so of course they're the family that has uh, a funeral plot on their property and their house and the plot remind me a lot is it the same set from Chilling Adventures of Sabrina I'm not sure I haven't gotten a chance to watch that yet I don't think it, it's the it, same house that it hers reminds is in. me it reminds me of it a lot just like the property and where there's like the funeral plot um, yeah because their house is like they have a mortuary mortuary in their basement is like their right. family business so they have like a the cemetery is like where they live so it kind of reminds me of that it's and they're also, like satan worshiping witches like not like a, a human family right you yeah you also have to acknowledge the fact that they they already had a funeral for jason shortly after he, uh, he went missing they just Did didn't they? have the body and didn't know about that yeah they they said it, it's in the opening jughead voiceover of episode one where they say you know um the blossom family buried an empty casket basically so okay. did they dig oh. up the empty casket to put the body into i'm sure they had enough money to buy a new one so then they just have two grave plots that say jason blossom maybe they stacked them on top of each other oh that's like what they used to do in the old days <laughs> well it's an empty box it's not like two people yeah but it's maybe oh my god maybe there's a person in the other casket okay this we're just now we're just going off okay River, riverdale could do that don't act like it's not possible but yeah so so cheryl's really like having a hard time with this so uh veronica wants to sort of mend fences with with cheryl and and not be at each other's throats and she kind of extends an olive branch here and in return cheryl says okay fine like uh if you want to be nice to me then come sleep over at my house the night before uh, the memorial and and she kind of frames it in a way where it seems like it's going to be like a slumber party with multiple people but it ends up just being veronica and her and then like like hannah like you mentioned earlier they have a really awkward dinner party with um the blossom family and veronica and is this the first time we see nana blossom yes nana rose yes nana rose well and the thing that's by far the most awkward is it's like obviously this is a horrible night obviously the blossom family probably didn't actually want to bring other people into this but then cheryl felt like she didn't want to be alone and she feels alone with her family but cheryl's father just like rattling off facts about maple syrup is one of the creepiest weirdest things i've ever encountered in my life and i truly do not know what i would do if i was in that situation yeah this is when we find out for the first time about the crazy maple syrup industry that apparently Riverdale is founded That's on. That's why it's called Sweetwater River. And okay, honestly, I kind of want to hear that story, but <laughs> it's, I, I get like creepy vibes from that. Like did, did a bunch of like maple syrup crash into the river one time or something? I don't know. I feel like there was something more that happened there. Clifford Blossom is just sort of going on about the maple syrup industry and how the Blossom family.
originally started the maple syrup industry and that's why like they're super rich and all that but he's also kind of saying it in a way to be like haha Veronica you're not rich anymore your dad's in jail like you're terrible yeah and it's weird he's like so like what was it like when your dad got taken away to prison yeah although I don't necessarily side with Veronica either because she kind of she she is telling the story about when her dad got taken away and making it seem very similar to losing a child like she's like oh yeah I didn't even get to say goodbye he was there one second and he was gone the next like yeah your your dad's in jail he's not dead like you're talking to people who are literally about to bury their son like you can you could call Hiram on the phone probably like most prisons have like a a phone that you can use I mean if I've if I learned anything from cereal it's that you can definitely you can be in a federal penitentiary and you can call out and record podcast so if Adnan Syed can do that Hiram Lodge certainly can do a phone call yeah um but but Veronica is sort of handling it well she's very polite and uh, there's a great scene where she she tells them thank you for inviting her and uh Penelope's like uh yeah Cheryl invited you I have no idea why you're here <laughs> just like not even playing along Penelope and being is a host. so rude she really is she really I'm is. surprised but, she didn't punch Veronica in the face like Alice yeah um, but but Veronica and Cheryl they they bond a little bit Veronica helped Cheryl at the pep rally and, and now she's helping her again and and uh they sort of talk about how hot Jason is and no so they stop bond over that it's so weird Veronica's like he was handsome and Cheryl's like the handsomest no that is not how you talk about your brother that's how you talk about like your cat like if someone was like oh Venus is so cute I'd be like oh the cutest not about a brother ew Cheryl says that she really wants to say goodbye and and when Veronica asks like why does it need to be public though like what what's the you know the reason behind this Cheryl says it's because she knows that the town and everyone kind of looks down on her and she wants to say sorry and she wants to apologize and and tell everyone that Jason deserved a better family than the one that he got so she has really good intentions here and and Veronica kind of you know spurs her on and says just do it you know like what's the worst that Penelope and Clifford are gonna do and um kind of a creepy response we get from Cheryl here uh when she says that yeah my parents they'll they'll kill me yeah it's uh it's a lot uh and it made me uncomfortable it's morbid and it's hard to tell she says it with such a straight face so I think Veronica is kind of like are you joking are you being serious are they actually going to kill you is this like a real threat here um but yeah it's just really really highlighting that Cheryl is like not having a good time with her family well and the other thing too is that it's also hard to believe Cheryl because we've seen her be such an effective liar already in the show that she's kind of unreliable in that way but all of the bonding she's doing here with Veronica seems much more real than anything she had with uh with Betty earlier oh yeah well that was creepy so it is less so the memorial rolls around and Cheryl ends up coming downstairs and this is probably one of the better clips of the episode is just the music changing and her walking downstairs and everyone's in black and she's wearing the white dress and gloves and veil from when she went to the river with her brother in the opening sequence of episode one and so here's the thing it kind of looks like a wedding dress which really creeps me out but what I love in this scene is she gets up and she's about to start talking and you can tell Penelope is about to like drag her down by her hair and Veronica's like you will make it worse do not do this and I was like yes Veronica get it so Hannah what did you think of the story that that Cheryl tells in her speech so I thought the story was a little funny but I also have a sore spot for birthday parties because my birthday is in uh, the summer and we have a pool in the back of my parents house and so I always had to have a pool party but when my sister was growing up she got to have 
these really cool parties and we're a couple years apart so she's a couple years older and her birthday's in like the winter months so she got cooler birthday parties than me but I think the idea that she tries to get across that Jason always protects her is really nice and I like that she you can tell she really cares about Jason and it and it comes across in other scenes but this seems more of a closer sibling bond than what we see in the kind of creepy bonds that she's shown before. Yeah, it's it's really sweet. You know, she talks about how no one wanted to come to her birthday and Jason told her that, you know, they were going to combine their parties one year and it was because no one wanted to show up and he wanted to protect her from that knowledge. And, and it's it's a really sweet moment. And um, I, I think that it's, it's sad and it's a little bit, you know, it comes across a little bit juvenile in terms of like that is really the most impactful thing she can say about her brother. But I think the emotion behind it really comes across. Well, and I'm going to come in here with a hot take. Jason should not have protected her from no one showing up to her birthday party because maybe she could have adjusted her personality and then she'd have friends. Maybe, but I, I think sad Cheryl is probably even worse than like mean Cheryl. Yeah, but like that's what she's, she's like now. But if she was like sad Cheryl when she was younger, then maybe she would have grown up to be like funny, kind Cheryl. You don't know. I guess it depends what year this birthday party was. Like if this birthday party was when she was in like eighth grade, that would be one thing. If it was when she was oh my like God, six years can old. you imagine being in eighth grade and no one comes to your birthday party? It'd be really, really would, rough. That'd be literally like the worst time. devastating. Yeah. Oh my God. Well, and also they're twins. So the kids are going to have to choose between one of the birthday parties. It doesn't make sense that they would have separate birthday parties. And then who are they inviting different people? Like does Jason only invite the boys and Cheryl only invites the girls? And so then, you know, Polly and Betty would go to Cheryl's, but that doesn't make sense because the Coopers hate the Blossoms, but it's a small town. <laughs> I don't think they're going to either party. Probably. Yeah, it's a small well, town. They were younger, so, maybe. I don't know. So it doesn't logistically make sense that parents would want both kids to go to one anyway. So they would have to choose. Kids would have to choose which ones they would want to go to. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, the the end of the Cheryl stuff, it, it does end up being kind of sad. Uh, you know, she she had she got to give the eulogy, but in the end, she's her, her parents. While her mother does not kill her, she is really rough to her. She's you know yells at her and um and tells her that uh, she would send her away boarding school if she could but nowhere would take her and then she says she's taking away the river vixens which I assume means like you can't be captain anymore because I don't think she has the power to like put a kibosh on the whole sport. Um, That makes sense. But like yeah. Here's the thing. If they're supposed to be so rich they could guaranteed find an international boarding school that would take Cheryl if they paid enough money. And that would probably be better for Cheryl. Yeah I, I took that to mean more of like she just wanted to tell Cheryl that Noah would take her to make Cheryl feel bad that Noah would take her not like I, I, I mean there's probably plenty of European boarding schools that would take her yeah for enough money I think they'll take pretty much anyone and like sure maybe she would get kicked out after like six months but guess what then there's another Swiss boarding school waiting for her and why would they like know about Cheryl it's not well like... it could be like her grades maybe or like her permanent record is really bad oh true that might be possible I don't really care oh. here's the thing everyone always tells you about your permanent record I don't think that exists I don't think it's real well, you live in Canada so they're nicer than <laughs> I don't know about that, but it's like, wh- look, what is that? Like, is it just like your transcript? I don't know. I, I thought a permanent record was, yeah, it's not like, oh, you got sent to the principal. I thought it was more like if you actually, you got know, arrested. do something bad. Like if you, if you, um, you know, wreck someone's, someone's playhouse and you write their name all over <laughs> it. Well, thankfully I never wrote my name all over any playhouse and I don't remember if I drew in it or not. So I plead the fifth, even though that's not in Canada. Oh gosh. All right. Well, so me. 
meanwhile, while all of this nonsense is going on with Archie and then while while things are being creepy and terrible at the Blossom family home, Jughead and Betty, you know, they're here to keep the actual plot moving along, looking into the investigation of who killed Jason. Because while, like, Mr. and Mrs. Blossom were like, oh yeah, well, we'll, we'll just gather everyone here to, to scope it out and I guess see if anyone looks like a murderer. Like, what are they gonna like, gain Literally, from that? they just watched the movie Clue one too many times. <laughs> they're like, oh yeah, we could do that. Yeah, but like, Betty and Jughead are actually going to work together and do this. Yes. Um, and uh, so, yeah, so Kevin shows up at the beginning and, and gives, I, I don't know if, like, he just somehow memorized what his dad's murder board looked like, how, but he's like, huh? <laughs> how much time did Kevin spend looking at his dad's murder board, memorizing everything so he could recreate it? I do not buy this. I don't and know. why didn't it's he help also... his dad recreate the murder board? Like, yeah, I, I wonder if the if the writers also were like, oh, yeah, it's going to be a trio, Betty, Jughead, and Kevin. They're all going to try to solve this murder. Except no, because Kevin just kind of pieces out after this. He helps them put the murder board together and then, like, doesn't help well, in the investigation. He probably realizes he should be helping his dad put his murder board back together. He's like, oh, yeah, there's an actual law enforcement officer working on this murder and I could help him. Yeah, probably. Probably something like that. But Betty, so she's going to go on a date with Trev, who I love. Trev is my favorite character in this whole episode. And um, spoiler alert, he's going to be my most real real person of the, of the week. Well, we might have a disagreement on that. Okay. Well, I love Trev. Trev is the best. Trev is Valerie's brother and uh, just shows that they're the sweetest, nicest people in all of Riverdale. But the only thing I feel bad about here is like Betty tells Jughead and Kevin that she's just going on this date to like gather intelligence. But it's not clear if she, if like Trev is in on that. Does Trev think it's an actual date and Betty's she, like leading him on? She I mean, said the words, it's a date. He thinks it's a yeah. date. Boys are not that conclusive. Unless she said, hey, I'd like to get to know more about how m- close you were with Jason. She's not just going to say that. Let's go to Pops and get a milkshake. So she's going to be like, hey, let's get together and, you know, see where this goes. Did anyone else notice Jughead's expression when she said it's a date too? He was like, what? It looked like well, he what? got punched in the stomach. He has such a crush. Aww. It's so cute. Poor cute little Jughead. Oh, a little Jugsy. Jugsy. <laughs> yeah, but but she does she does go and hang out with uh, Trev and she asks about Jason being on the water polo team and stuff and Trev says that a few months ago Jason started to act all weird and he got all secretive and he stopped calling Trev back which what is with these boys in Riverdale like stop calling their friends back. They One thing happens and then you know well, they, they go obviously never heard about bros before hoes. Yeah, obviously. That's not a thing in Riverdale. But but it's not just like Jason stops calling Trev because he starts dating Polly. Although it does sound like he starts dating Polly somewhere around this same time. Slightly, like, right before he started going weird. Uh, but he starts selling all his stuff and then he's dealing drugs or, or there's a rumor that he's dealing drugs. So yeah, Trev thinks it might have something to do with Betty's sister. And this begs the question, so Polly and Jason, I guess, have only been together for a few months or they must have maybe not even a few months like at this point it's school has started so it's like September probably and Jason died somewhere near you know mid-July but he went missing on the 4th of July and and that was the last time anyone saw him and and it sounded like he started acting weird right you know a, a little while before that because Trev says a few months ago so let's say you know May is when he's acting weird which means he must have started dating Polly like April May so him and Polly didn't even date that long before he died. Well, no, I-, I think they were dating before he started to change, but then he attributed the weird change to something that happened with Polly. 
I think they had been dating for a while. Like, maybe they were an on-again, off-again kind of thing. Yeah. That's definitely possible. I mean, it's high school. Everybody's on-again, off. I mean, that's life. But Sometimes it's just off. What was nice is that after this scene, we get a little bit of a throwback um, to Hal and Betty working on the car together like they did in the comics. And then Betty's approaches Hal and says, hey, I've asked mom about this and she hasn't told me, can you let me know what's going on with Polly? And Hal kind of gives her the lowdown that uh, Jason and Polly had a big fight and Polly was devastated. She attempted to kill herself and that's why they sent her away to to help her, to allow her to get help. Yeah, it's actually a really, I mean, it's not like the, the conversation's very intense, but it, it shows how close Betty is with her father, which we haven't seen a whole lot of because like every time we've seen Hal in the past, he's just sort of been standing next to Alice while she's been talking a lot. So we don't really know what that relationship is. Like Betty talks about her mom and then she says like her parents are crazy right. and stuff. But this is one of the first times we see, it seems like Betty is much more of like a, um, I'm not going to say, I'm not going to use the de- dreaded D word, but she's she's a father's girl, we should say. <laughs> you know, it doesn't sound as right. You, you got to go, you got to go all out. Daddy's girl. She's a daddy's girl, which uh, I don't know I'm if I'm like, leaving this podcast. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> you ever find in families, like if one person is like the daddy's girl, then the other person is probably like the mama's child or whatever. Well, like I wonder if Polly and Alice were closer and that's why Alice is so shook up by the whole Polly situation. I feel like that's what you would expect. So so Betty, you know, confides in Jughead all of this information that she's just discovered about Polly and he's he's shocked and, and confused. But the, the, the other thing they pick up on is, you know, since from the information they got about Trev, like it sounds like Jason was trying to run away. He had a fight with Polly and then he's selling his stuff and, and they question like, why does a rich kid try to run away from their family? Because, you know, it seems like, like you could understand that if, if the Blossom family treated Jason poorly too. But from what we've gathered, it seems like they liked Jason. They just don't like Cheryl. Yeah, it's very bizarre. And what I really like about this scene is just the Jughead and Betty dynamic. Like it's, they kind of seem like they both have maybe a little crush on each other. It's like slightly flirty. Like they're like Betty's confiding in him about his, like her family issues. And it's like a very real conversation, which we haven't really seen from any like male female pairings in this show so far. And it's just like, I just like seeing them together. I like them. Yeah, I love the way that they talk to each other as opposed to the way that Betty talks when she's around Archie because when Betty talks to Archie it's very much like oh Archie your music is amazing like she does this weird I don't know it's not like a voice exactly but her her tone shifts when she talks to Jughead she's much more open she's talking about much more serious things and it's not just a one-way direction of her you know praising Archie like they have a back and forth yeah it's real yeah. communication it's not just like oh hi you're so cute I'm gonna twirl my hair and uh, you're so talented it's like hey this is what's going on and, like I really connect with you but what's funny about this scene is that Jughead decides the way to figure out why Jason would run away is to snoop through his bedroom. Who has that thought? Like, why would someone just be like, oh, let's find out more. Let's not talk to people he was close to like we tried to do with Trev. Let's go through his bedroom. Yeah, because I mean, if we've learned anything about the parents in this show, they are like, they have no boundaries when it comes to their children. So it's not like they're going to discover, oh, he has a journal where that tells like his whole thought process because Cheryl or 
his parents or the sheriff, they would have already found that. There's nothing new they're going to find in his room. I'm just picturing them going up and, like, flipping up a floorboard and there's, like, a secret lockbox with, like, a bunch of drugs and some cash and a journal detailing her whole his whole adventure. I thought you were going to say a bunch of CDs. Classic Lane Kim style. I mean... <laughs> There could be CDs, but I feel like the Blossom family's okay with a little bit of rock music. They're not Seventh-day yeah. Adventists, which, side note, is the religion I was raised in, by the way. Like, Link. Oh, nice. Nice. It's not nice. It's not nice, let me tell you. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so so Betty and Jughead, they do go to the memorial, and uh, it's cute because Jughead decides to put a suit on, but he still has his beanie on, so, you know, whatever. He looks um, cute. And suspenders. He, he looks look so cute. cute. <laughs> yeah. And they, and they, he comes to, I don't know if he's, like, picking her up or if they're just gonna go over together but i love their little nancy drew spy mission that they're going on and betty looks um, so cute in black yeah they everyone looks really great the costuming in this episode is great and she doesn't except have a for archie tail. well right except for him because they just stick him in a letterman jacket and call it a day that's <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah so at the memorial not a whole lot happens except for betty notices a tense moment between her dad and mr blossom which at the end of the episode she talks to her dad more about that and he uh basically says that like the Blossom family and their family have a long history together where the uh, Cheryl's great-grandfather murdered Betty's great-grandfather. So, which apparently was a dispute over maple syrup. So, it's not only the, like, master maple syrup industry that is running all the town, but also it's, like, the maple syrup blood industry that's, you know, causing greed and murder. Well, and it's just, like, I can't think of, like, what kind of family outside of, like, crime or mob families is going to have that kind of relationship with another family. It reminds me of, okay, in Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants, wasn't there like a thing where one of the Greek families, did they murder someone from the other family or did they just steal their boating company or fish company or something? I think that was like a business thing and that's why Lena wasn't allowed to date um, Kostas. Yeah. So, but it wasn't, there, there wasn't murder involved, I mean, was there? I highly doubt there was murder in the Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants. Like, I don't remember. that series but... had enough death with like the one death okay yeah yeah, i learned a lot from those books i read those books so many times oh my god speaking of weird family drama jughead and betty they do decide to go snoop through the room and what do they find not a diary creepy old nana rose who just like i guess was sitting there like the whole time in a wheelchair like was she not at the memorial how did she get upstairs is there an elevator well did she i don't think she came in after them she was like in the corner nobody behind the door (laughs) nobody helped her down to the memorial they just were like you know what gran you're a little unsightly and creepy in this wheelchair so we're just gonna put you in a dark corner where no one will find you because that's what the blossoms do it was really creepy so Um, terrifying yeah but but nana blossom who you can tell is like partially blind she thinks that betty is polly and she calls her polly and doesn't question jughead at all jughead's just like a frady cat in the background like yeah betty go talk to her i'm gonna just hang back here he's like get the tea get it come on sis so betty goes and talks with her and finds out that apparently Jason and Polly were engaged and Nana Blossom had given Polly an engagement ring that she says to make sure she didn't tell Penelope about because Penelope would rip it off her finger or bite it off her finger or saw well, off her finger. Yeah, would, saw, would saw off her finger, I think she said. And Kay, here's the thing. Nana's like, you lost the love of your life. I'm here to tell you, yes, there's high school sweethearts, whatever. In general, if you're like meeting someone or dating someone when you are, let's say, be generous and say 17 years old. This is not the love of your life. You've 
lift your bud infant. Stop it. And this is just once again bringing back the whole age issue of like if they were seniors in high school and they were getting engaged, that would be one thing. But by by our math, they're at most juniors. Like if not, maybe maybe Jason's a sophomore. I don't know. I, they're just it's very very young. So we we've got a lot of suspicion happening here. And even if Jason is a junior, he's still the same age as Cheryl. So he'd still right. be at least one year younger than Polly if she's two years older than Betty. Ugh, it's just horrible. Yeah, and, and you know, I know people get married young and stuff, but like, it just seems very bizarre because we've got from some people we're finding out like, oh, they were fighting all the time and Jason's trying to run away from home. It's just still, we've got a lot more information, but like no more, you know, knowledge of what actually happened. Yeah. yeah. Well, in, in Hal's conversation, he mentions that the reason he hates Jason, especially when he was dating Polly, is because he sees the Blossoms as stealing their livelihood and that Jason made Polly sick and that's why she's not coming home until she's not sick anymore. It Definitely your mind goes to a couple things here. Like either she is like really distraught because they got in a fight and she did, you know, try to kill herself. Like that's like really rough. Or she could be like, I know they've mentioned a couple times like possible mental illness or something. Well, and the thing too is like most of the show so far has been, you know, it indicates that maybe Polly had a nervous breakdown or some other mental health issue and that's why she's not here. And the fact that Hal is like perpetuating the idea that like, oh, she'll come back once she's better is just so damaging. And like, I just can't help but think about like a teenager watching this show who maybe like thinks that's how mental health works now because that's somehow the only exposure they've had to that type of, of information. It just like further stigmatizes mental health issues. So so Betty then confides in Jughead again about all this because her dad, like we had that, you know, kind of sweet scene with the two of them earlier but at the end of the episode when he's just kind of like yelling at her about how he doesn't want to talk about Polly and she's not coming home until she's better and all that it's very intense but but yeah Betty talks to Jughead and she just says you know I have no clue who my parents are anymore they're they're like really really uh, coming for me and intense all the time and it's mostly come you know after this whole Polly thing happened they they talk about how Hal said that he would do anything to protect his family from the Blossoms and Jughead mentions like hey maybe you know that's like a little suspicious like how far would he go to protect Polly from Jason if he really thought that he was bad news and they think about like you know the person what they know so far is that the person who stole the murder board and all the evidence from the sheriff's house was not at the drive-in and the only person they can think of right now who wasn't there is Hal Cooper so and right away we get that we see him with the items from the murder board so we know that yes he's the one who stole the items from the murder board which was interesting and then we also get the point where they put the coopers up on the murder board yeah yeah the last thing in the episode is is them putting putting the the name the coopers or it was the coopers the cooper family i think the coopers right underneath the picture of jason blossom well, on the murder board but here's the thing that's so but like yes obviously like he's the one who took the murder bird Ooh, murder bird murder board whatever but murder bird. <laughs> okay words are hard okay um but like the whole town was not at the drive-in like there's a list of people it could how be. do you know this how was do a you really know? That, there's no way that was the Jughead whole population Jones. of the town yeah jughead jones not the town if the town cared the drive-in wouldn't have closed <laughs> you know betty wasn't at the drive-in either yeah maybe Just betty saying. took the no because her she would have been her mom dragged her away mm. grunty wasn't at the drive-in archie wasn't at the drive-in actually was archie no no, no was it's about thing. the kids <laughs> Knock, 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 knock. It's about the kids. Anyways, I don't know. This is just, I don't like the instant gratification.
justification in this scenario. I feel like it's lazy. <laughs> you like you were back and forth. You like it sometimes, you hate it. Sometimes I'm like, thank God, this is going to be over with. But then this is like a major plot point of the season, or it seems like it should be. And then it's like, nah, but they're right. Their like faulty logic just works. It's it's chill. It's totally fine. Oh, well. It's not um, fine. <sighs> I, okay. First, let's go through the the few things for everyone. So the title of this episode, The Heart of Darkness, was based off of a 1899 novella about a narrated voyage up the Congo River into the Congo Free State in the so-called Heart of Africa. Yeah, I, I personally never had to read this, but I remember talking to people who had to at their high school, and it's either like about a slave boat heading towards slavery or possibly escaping it. I think it's like heading into slavery, but I personally never had to read it. So please someone um, send me a summary of it and I'll read that. I guess if it's a novella, I could probably make time for it. Yeah. You know what though? I'm thinking about this right now. I think I read this book. <laughs> now that you mentioned that, I think I read this book in like middle school or something. Um, I think it was on one of those like read all hundred of these books in the year. Or not hundred, it was probably like 20. And then you like get to go to a pizza party. Yeah, with, like with Pizza Hut. Did you do where you just had to read a certain number of books you got a free personal pan pizza we used to do that when i was a kid it was like pizza hut book club and so you'd get a free pizza we had like a book club in the library where i think this was actually like elementary school yeah there was a list of like 30 books and you had to read you know like 15 of them or something and then at the end of the year you got a pizza party and i realized real quick in elementary school that at the end of the year all the clubs had a party so like your last week of school kids were always getting pulled out of the class be like oh all of the all of the kids in the safety patrol go go over here and, and have your party so by like fourth and fifth grade I made sure I was in every single club possible and I was like a lunch helper and a reading buddy and an art helper and I, I was in so many different clubs so that at the end of the year I could go to all the pizza parties I mean I can't think of anything me. more relatable than uh, wanting every pizza party I'm literally right now like hmm do I order pizza right now will we be done podcasting by the time it gets here uh yeah probably I have, a, I have a free medium pizza from Domino's. And you can use the code HousekeyCast for free medium <laughs> Domino's pizza. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, like, do you want a free, a free medium two-chopping pizza? Use the code cat with a K on your next Domino's order to get one. That's C-O-W-W-I-T-H-A-K. <laughs> Oh my gosh, that was the funniest thing that's ever happened. Okay. All right, let's uh let's move off of that and get into the the cringiest part of the episode. What do you guys think? Cringiest part? Um the putting the card in the front pocket and patting Archie's front pocket. No. That's a great Yes. <laughs> that was not that there's no way though that that beats Penelope stroking Archie's hair at the funeral. Oh, Brett, I blocked that one out. Okay, fine. <laughs> we didn't talk about this though, but also Cheryl was sleeping in Jason's bed. Yeah, that's a little that's a little more creepy than cringy but it's definitely creepy here's here's what it is it's the same feeling you get when you're watching the bachelor and on like episode three girls are well it's the feeling you get when you're on like episode three and girls are just crying and talking about how in love they are and they've spent 20 minutes with this guy it's that same feeling um which is the feeling i got when penelope was stroking archie's hair yeah i okay the thing is is i totally blocked that out again because i'm so traumatized by it so i'm totally fine with that being the 
cringiest moment of the episode. Oh, or also um, the moment when Veronica's like, he was so handsome. And Cheryl's like, the handsomest. No, I think the the I think the hair beats it. Is but weird. yeah, but that's that's a good second place. Okay. Well, as long as I get an honorable mention, then I can live with myself. No, you just get second place different than honorable mention. <laughs> Well, I'm perfectly happy making pocket pat the hashtag though. So if you want to hashtag, hashtag pocket, pocket pat, pat, yes, <laughs> I'm okay with that. All right, who was the most normal person in the week? I'm still going Trev. You you going to beat me on this or not? I had someone else, but I don't remember now. So we can go with Trev. Ooh, Trev's gonna win. Hannah, did you have anyone? When you said Trev, I felt like Jughead was pretty real. Oh, as far yes. as like the conversations he had with Betty. That's who I had because he looked so sad when Betty was going on a date with someone else and he just like wants to impress this girl and I liked that. Okay, yes, Jughead was more real this episode than he has been before, but he still wanted to snoop in someone's bedroom to find clues during oh, a that's funeral. that's true. Okay, fine. We I think can you go lose points Jeff. there. I think you lose points there. I'm sure Jughead will get it eventually, maybe, possibly. We'll see. <sighs> I just, this might have been his one and only shot. It might have been his one shot. You're right. Look. He gets an honorable mention. Yeah, he can have an honorable mention. <laughs> How dare you? For the most normal person of the week. <laughs> Whatever. Um, there was no clothes but no cigars, right? No. Not that I caught. Okay, cool. So, still more references, though. I don't remember what. The, the sad breakfast club. Oh, yeah. And also, did we... I'm sorry, I blacked out. Did we mention that Cheryl was handing out just invitations to a funeral? No. Well, we mentioned that she invited them. She had engraved invitations just like all matte black. They were very chic. They'd be really great for like a birthday party if you like open it up and it's like embossed with gold. You don't do like a big fancy invitation to like a funeral or a memorial service. It was just one of the craziest things I've ever seen and I I forgot to bring it up earlier. All right, well, that is pretty much it for this episode went on a little long but we had some fun times i think you gotta entertain yourself when you're dealing with a very archie and cheryl heavy episode thank you for joining us and we'll be back next week for our recap of episode six until then you can follow me online at frail mary on every platform and if you're interested you can check out some of the other shows we do on this podcast kowski cast at kowskicast.com that is cow with a k we have a revenge rewatch that is semi-active if you're interested in podcasts that come out really slow there's that one uh we also of course do our riverdale season three podcast that is that is live happening weekly right after the episodes and we try to keep up with that so those have been quite ridiculous if you're interested uh, you can follow kirsten online at kirsten said what on every platform and if you want to check out hannah hannah's got a new instagram what? oh my gosh i know I know. The crowd goes wild. And wow, we all miss the four M's. (laughs) I do. I miss the the extra N. We have changed it so it's now Hannah, H-A-N-N-A, the letter V, the letter E, dot E-X-E, because it's like an executable file. Get it? We love a computer pun. We do. We do. We love nerd girls. So check that out as well. And if you want to stick around for the spoiler section, we got a couple things to talk about. Surprisingly, this episode did bring up some interesting things for later on in the series if not we'll talk to you next time bye now it's like get out get out get out get it out this out leave 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 this out
Now we are officially in the spoiler section. Hopefully I cut out the riffing on the spoiler song that we were just doing. If I didn't enjoy that, I'm not sure if I kept that in or not. So I, yeah, I do have a couple of things that I just want to touch on real quick. I know we went kind of late, so we don't need to go too long into this, but Cheryl especially has a few things. The whole first scene with her walking down the stairs in the red gown and the holding the cam- candelabra is major foreshadowing for what happens at the end of the season um, where she throws down the candelabra in her house and burns her whole house down. It's it's kind of hearkening to that, I guess. Can you hearken forward? I don't know. Uh, you hearken back to things. I don't know if you can hearken forward. What's the opposite of hearken? Beckon. Ah, stop! <laughs> You're right too. Oh, it makes me uncomfortable. <laughs> oh my gosh. But yeah, so I so I liked that. Also, Archie with his punching bag in his I room at the beginning. Yeah. 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 Um, it, both foreshadowing the jail and the fight club and also him being a punchaholic. And now I think that it's a different punch bag than we saw in season three, though. Well, and Not here's the thing. Certain. I thought it then. I think it now. Why the hell is in the punch bag in the garage? Why can't the he? The garage is for serious music. So, but why can't he play music in his room and punch stuff in the garage? It doesn't make sense. And it yeah, makes I, me the, so honestly, crazy. The punching bag is probably louder. Like him boxing in his room is probably louder than him yes. just like recording a couple tunes. And he's like breathing so heavy and he's sweating so much. His room probably <laughs> smells like a dirty pair of socks which like I guess a teenage boy's room already smells like dirty socks but like come on Archie you have some respect for your dad's home. God. Yeah. Also Reggie in this uh, episode just reminded me of season 3 episode 10 when Veronica mentions that Reggie is one of Archie's best friends. Like yo they are not. They're not friends. They're like teammates at the most. Uh, Yeah it just I don't know. I feel like I, I don't understand why we have to push forward the narrative of like their friends or best friends. Like, isn't Reggie supposed to be like a frenemy at best? This show, like, it really tries to get you to believe that a bunch of people are best friends when they're totally not. Like, did Archie and Jughead exchange one sentence this episode? No. Did Betty and Veronica? No. They're not friends. Another thing, too, is Veronica makes a comment about like, I already got my seven minutes in heaven with Archie Andrews. Like, I'm fine. And then it's like, mm, girl, you gonna have a lot more minutes in heaven with with Archie. <laughs> oh god. Minutes on the floor, minutes in her bedroom, I'll, minutes in, in the, the jail cabin. I will in a jail. I'll just never in forget. Um there's like the scene in I think season two where or maybe it's the premiere of season three where Betty and Jughead are like making out on one side of the fireplace and then yep. Archie and Veronica are like literally having sex on the other side of the room it's like you're three feet apart why oh can't gosh, you go no. find a closet there's the one episode where they're at the cabin and they're well, yeah one of them is making out in the bedroom and then you hear the squeaking of the bed and then the next night you hear it for like the opposite couple and it's just like oh weird oh man I can't wait till we get to some of those episodes yeah oh so with this episode too though uh we see how with some home videos watching with polly and later oh, on it's so creepy yeah when he's revealed as the black hood we also see him having an infatuation with home videos then too and hal just loves his home videos hal in this episode was it's one of the creepiest scenes of him i think in the entire series when he's watching the home videos and it reminds me of him in what season three episode 10 is that 
what was out when he's in the yeah, jail? Yeah, the most recent one. Yes. Yikes. Yeah. Um, I, it, it's, it's, it's really bizarre watching how and Betty have, like, nice family conversations, but it definitely, you know, informs that, like, they're going to have such an intense relationship later, and, and she still, though, like, needs to talk to her father. You know, she has issues with her mom, and even when he's in prison and he's committed murders, like, she's still, she's still kind of close with her dad. It's, it's kind of creepy. Yeah. What was funny about yeah. the home videos, too, though, was that Betty thinks that Polly's in the house, and I didn't understand that because even when you're a young kid, your voice sounds different than it would as you're a teenager. Oh, yeah. Like, it's not going to sound the same, even for girls. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it was, like, clearly a, a little kid voice that she was hearing. It's weird seeing Hal and Betty act normal, and, and we know, obviously, that Hal is lying about Polly, and that Polly is actually pregnant, and that's why he sent her away, which is just the, full of even more problematic things. And uh, and she, you know, Polly obviously did not try to kill herself. And another thing is, Polly does not know that Jason is dead, and he says that she does. He says that she, like, had a had a relapse, and she got really upset when she found that out. But when they when they find Polly uh, next episode, I think, they realize that she has no clue what's going on. Well, because they realize that she is pregnant. The only other thing I really had was, uh, man, I just really like Trev, and uh, Trev, like, never shows up again, but Trev was, was Betty's other option. Okay, it's also, like, Val kind of disappears, too. Yeah, well, doesn't that actress, like, go on a different show or something? I mean, I feel probably. Like that well, the yeah, pussycats break up. Yeah. Josie and the pussycat dolls. <laughs> they really rock hardcore. They rock hardcore. That was pretty much it I had for spoiler stuff. It's just, it's mostly weird to see people, friends who won't be friends later and vice versa. And in uh, old Reggie is still just like such a shock to see because we we have so much more new Reggie Oh my now. God, we love new Reggie. The other thing too is it's so weird seeing the Blossom Mansion not all burned down. Yeah. Good point. It gets good point. It's fully there. What happened to the graveyard when it burned down? Do you think it's just there and no one takes care of it? Well, when we see the like pool party and stuff, it seems like the the grounds look pretty good. I think that I think it was just the house. It was a very contained fire. Cheryl needs to keep robbing people so she can do some home renos. Yeah, she really <laughs> does. I always forget in the recent seasons that she's not living at Thornhill because it it looks similar. Like it's just very grandiose. And this episode also was like the first showcase of the burgeoning bughead. Ugh, don't say bugget see i think that we're reading into it but i don't know that we really get them like super flirty i don't know like when i watched the show for the very first time i, I thought the scene where he no when he comes into her bedroom and he and they exchange like a couple of cute looks i think they knew maybe it's just the actors maybe the actors were good and they were just sort of putting more in than was actually in the script but i think they knew like this these these people they got chemistry yeah that's fair that that was a cute scene i did like that scene yeah yeah well that's pretty much all i have if you guys don't have anything else we can wrap this up i've got nothing yeah went went much later than i had planned but yeah it's fun it's fun hanging out thank you everyone for listening and i i hope i hope this just it's just made the episode better for you if you're doing this rewatch like we are boy it's hard to get through some of these i i you know you can't you, you want the best of both worlds like season three it's fast paced it's ridiculous and and i watch those episodes and think back to how much i miss season one and then I go back to season one and you have episodes like this. I, yeah, it actually makes me like season three so much more uh, because it's like, you know what? This is pure lunacy, but it's my pure lunacy and that, you know what? That's okay. Yeah, exactly. All right. Well, we will be back next time for our recap of episode six. Thanks for hanging out and listening to the podcast. Catch you next time. Bye. C-O-W-W-I-T-H-A-K. Thank you.
full-size box 